0: Good morning we are in matthew chapter 8 today and um, the sermon on the mount is over and jesus has said all of these amazing things and the, the crowd it says the crowd was amazed at him because he taught with one like that had authority and he they loved his teaching they enjoyed it um, it's really it's really wild to think that through for a minute that um, people actually enjoyed listening to Jesus teach. They wanted to hear what he had to say. They they liked the, to sit and hear the wisdom that he had. And um, there was something attractive uh, that, that brought the crowds when he would talk. And just that as a start is like, wow, wow, that people would want to go and hear him, that they wouldn't, um, at this, at this stage in the game, right. Uh, they would want to hear what he had to say. And it's wild. You know, it's not just teachings and it's not just a philosophy book and it's definitely not a rule book, but it's a story about this man that was God that came and lived. And it's good to realize every once in a while that it, it really did happen and people. People heard him teach, and they really wanted to hear him teach. They really liked it. And, uh, yeah, it's good. it's good to just to come at it from that attitude. I mean, there were crowds. The opening thing, the opening um, verse of Matthew chapter 8, Jesus came down from the mountains. Large crowds followed him. That there were a lot of people that were up on the side of the mountain listening to him talk and hearing his teachings that didn't want to leave. They wanted to stick around. They wanted to keep hearing, keep watching, keep seeing, keep with him, stay with him, not just the disciples, but there's a bigger, a bigger crowd than that too. So he comes down and a man with leprosy comes, kneels before Jesus and says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, uh, leprosy. There are a couple different diseases that we aren't sure what all they were that, um, That the Bible refers to as leprosy and they were there various skin diseases and they could have also included what we call leprosy today Um, that was in there too but you were considered unclean you were religiously unclean if you had leprosy and that meant that you couldn't be in a house with anybody that was ceremonially clean which everybody wanted to be ceremonially clean right you couldn't be in their house You couldn't eat with them you couldn't touch them and uh, nothing that you touched could that could they touch so you know um, if if I walk past you and my coat brushes against you now we're both unclean and so there were some some kind of extra laws you know how the, the the Jewish leaders and the Pharisees they added extra laws there were rules that you had to shout all the time that you're unclean so if you if you had leprosy you were always announcing it to everybody in the area so everybody would know i'm unclean i'm unclean and because uh, you weren't going to get clean unless you got healed of leprosy and nobody got healed of leprosy and so that would just become your lifestyle of shouting i'm unclean i'm unclean and uh so Of course, lepers would travel together because they were the only people that they could be around. There's some weird technicalities that you couldn't touch a leper, um, even if you had leprosy, so that makes things more complex. But either way, this guy that has leprosy comes to Jesus, and this is super bold. Uh, A leper's job was to flee, not engage, right? And, uh, And I just caught myself. I said, a leper. So just the the whole nature of a person's identity being tied to this disease um, shows what we think of it and shows what society thinks of it that they're no longer a person that they're a diseased thing that is a person does that make sense and so um, even even to say a leper is just it's it's terrible and it reveals a lot about what we what we use to identify people we're identifying this person as their medical condition right Um, thankfully we are getting away from this more and more we're starting to observe it we don't call people he was a cripple you know Uh, he was a mute we don't use that kind of language anymore because um, somebody's disability isn't their identity that's not who they are it's a condition they have, but it's not who they are. All right. Um, I can only imagine, I I think I would be an incompetent if you called me by my, by my characteristics, if, if I took that on, but, um, thankfully we don't do that. So praise the Lord. I'm a child of God, holy and righteous. So this guy, a man with leprosy comes, He kneels before Jesus and he says, if you're willing, you can make me clean. He acknowledges that he knows that Jesus can do this. He doesn't know if Jesus wants to, but he knows that if Jesus wants it, he'll do it. Jesus says, I am willing. Wow, that's the surprise here, right? Who would expect because there's this lurking thing that illness comes from sin we're going to talk about this more in a little bit but there's this whole idea that um, this person has leprosy as a curse from God for something bad they did and so if this man Jesus is sent by God it would make sense in that thinking that he wouldn't want to cleanse him right If you think God is punishing you by making these circumstances happen you're less likely to ask God to heal you and you're less likely to believe that God will heal you because you think this evil thing came from God does that make sense and so Jesus saying I am willing isn't just saying yeah I want to heal you it's also saying The the disease that you have is not a result of God trying to punish you. Big deal. He says, I am willing, be clean. That's the other part of this that drives it home. That Jesus didn't tell the man, uh, you should repent of those evil thoughts that you had that brought this leprosy on you in the first place. Um, You should quit stealing hubcaps because that's why you were cursed with leprosy is because you were stealing hubcaps. None of that. I'm willing, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. This guy, he would have been obviously, um, it would have been visible that he had leprosy. It was, it was a very public, recognizable disease uh, that you die from eventually. Jesus said to him then, see to it that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. All right, this is one of my favorites. Um, So back in Leviticus 14, there are rules on what to do when you're cleansed of leprosy. And you bring two sheep and you bring uh, birds and you bring a, a red thread and this little piece of wood And there's this whole ritual process of cleansing. Once someone has been healed of leprosy that they would go through and then you'd be, um, you can go back into the camp, but you can't sleep in your house for seven days. And then you spend seven days outside of your house, but in the camp. And then when you, you shave your beard and you shave your head. And then, uh, at the end of the seven days, you shave your beard and you shave your head again. And now you can come into your house and you're fully restored. The only problem was that for 1400 years, no Jewish person had ever been healed of leprosy. And so the Levites, who were big on the law, right, had been memorizing Leviticus 14 for 1400 years and never got to act on it. Uh, there was one time where Elisha. Elisha, the prophet, healed a man of leprosy, but he was a Gentile, and that whole thing was a huge controversy, because if these are God's chosen people, how could God heal a Gentile that's outside of God's chosen people of leprosy, and not us, right? Not the not the Jewish people, not the chosen people, and so... Um, the, the rabbis developed sort of a, a tradition and a teaching that only the Messiah would be able to heal a Jewish man of leprosy. So if anybody had leprosy and they were Jewish, you knew you weren't ever going to be healed until the Messiah came. And once the Messiah came, then only the, only the Messiah could heal you of this. And so now this whole thing makes sense, doesn't it? So there's Jesus... Walking along, the guy says, if you're willing, you can heal me. Jesus heals him, and he says, don't tell anyone. Go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. And so this guy, who had leprosy, doesn't know it, but he is sent to the temple, and he's like a ticking time bomb for the priests to say, the Messiah has come. The Savior of the world is on the ground. He is nearby and he is working. Uh, So just, I love love this whole, just thinking this through. Imagine you're a Levite priest and you go to Levite school to be a priest and they get to Leviticus 14 and you study it and you memorize it and you learn all how to do it. And then you're like, man, this sounds great. And then your teacher says, well, yeah, it's never going to happen until the Messiah comes and you're like what why did I just learn this and they're like because you have to learn it you have to know how to do it but no leper is ever going to be healed that's Jewish to do the sacrifice until the Messiah comes so generation after generation they learn it and they never get to do it it's your day working at the temple and you they actually had a separate for real you guys they had a separate room of the temple That was the leper cleansing room. Because if you're leprous, if you had leprosy, you couldn't come into any of the other entrances because you hadn't been cleansed yet, even though you'd been healed, you hadn't been cleansed. So they had their own door, um, around back, so to speak. I mean, seriously, is this not relevant? They had their own door. And if you had leprosy, you came in that door and in that room, and that's where you'd be cleansed. So let's just say you're the Levite on duty that day in the leprosy person cleansing room. And for 1400 years, no one has ever walked into that room because you are teaching that only the Messiah can do this. And somebody walks in the room, (laughs) right? This leper, this guy, I, I called him a leper again. I don't want to call him a leper this guy that used to have leprosy walks in with two sheep and two birds and his red string and his little block of wood and he's like yeah i'm i uh i got healed of leprosy i'm here to uh do the offering that moses commanded <laughs> what <laughs> like pull a fire alarm or uh you know evacuate the building freak out call the bomb squad the Messiah is here and we don't know where he is. That's what that was about. That's why Jesus said, don't tell anybody, don't tell anybody because Jesus wants to work and do stuff, but he's the Messiah and the Messiah is here. And uh, when the Levites find out about it, it's, it's going to be on. And uh, so, yes. So Jesus sends this poor guy that had leprosy into um, into a testimony that he just has no idea what he's about to announce, right? Maybe he did. Maybe, I mean, the other side of that is if, if you did have leprosy and you were Jewish, and every time that you heard them teach on that, you would long for the coming of the Messiah, right? Because only the Messiah is going to heal you. And uh, And just the fact that this guy thinks that Jesus is the Messiah, that he would run on the road, kneel down in front of him, says he knows he knows he's the Messiah all right my goodness I just spent 15 minutes on that (laughs) can you tell it's one of my favorites oh so then we got another great story and this is where the centurion comes and he has a paralyzed servant and he asks Jesus to heal his servant and just like jesus with the with the guy that had leprosy said i'm willing be clean and jesus was just going to do it just like that um this centurion says you know will you please come to my house and heal my servant he's suffering terribly and jesus is like yes and then the guy says or, or, here's how it goes he tells him my servant lies home paralyzed suffering suffering terribly Jesus says, why don't I come and heal him? Like, just, just how, how gracious Jesus is. Why don't, why don't I come to your house and fix it? The centurion replied, I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. I don't even deserve you to be on my porch. You are so awesome. And then he gives this thing about authority. The centurion does. And he, and he knows authority. I mean, if the if centurion was disobeyed, He knows so much about authority. If a centurion was disobeyed, the dude would get killed, right? If a centurion orders one of his men to do this or that, and they don't do it, it's treason, it's mutiny, you're dead. And so the centurion understands authority. And he says, I I know what authority is, and I know you have it. You don't even have to come to my house. If you just give the order, my servant will be healed. If you just give the order... He says if i say do this he does it he's talking about his own servants the centurions. he understands mastery and authority and uh jesus is amazed and he's like wow this guy i want to hang out with him i've never seen so much faith he says i've never seen so much more faith than this man in all of israel so again among all of god's chosen people that are the the frozen chosen, right? Um, Jesus says this guy is more faithful than all of Israel. Then he says, I'm telling you, this Jesus says, I say to you, many will come from the east and the west. They will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then he said, go, let it be done just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed at that very moment. So, yes, Jesus has authority. He doesn't even have to be there and he can heal the guy. But Jesus slips this little extra thing in here. And it's really, really, gosh, it's as timely as ever jesus is saying there's gonna be people from all over coming and eating at abraham's table there is no division of nationality or race or what kind of people they are that they're going to come and here we are in this racist turmoil um i'm recording this in mid-june of 2020 and there's you know riots and all kinds and uh it's coming up more and more how much the church has taught racism and how messed up that is. And you get to this part right here, and Jesus says there's going to be people from all over the world, all over every nation, sitting at the table of Abraham, and these the people that think that they were born into it and they think that the people that were entitled to it just because of where they were born... Are going to get kicked out that they're not that's not the credit for salvation and uh that that is a serious deal right that that there is no you know paul would say later there's no uh, jew or greek there's no slave or free there's no uh barbarian scythian there isn't even male and female that all of those divisions of who's better and who's best and who gets in and who gets out judged by those things are all garbage, every single one of them. And, um, and they need to be thrown out. We need, we need to throw out all of, that, all of those ideas. The other thing about this whole deal, I tell you, many will come from the east and the west recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. this was all done, this whole conversation was had in the Middle East, and with Middle Eastern people, even the Roman centurion, um, oh, he wasn't Roman, right? It doesn't say, he, he was Roman in, in the hierarchical structure and the government structure, but ethnically, he was probably not Roman. And so, there's no white people in this conversation at all, okay? <laughs> so, like that whole construct and that whole, uh, artificial division of, of different races and classes, um, didn't even exist in this conversation. Didn't even exist for another, uh, 1200 years at least. Okay. So it's like, gosh, the whole ridiculousness of God preferring any, any nation class, any um, any nationality over another is just hogwash. It's just, it's, it's worshiping Caesar and not Jesus. And, um, and it says that they're really strong. So he tells them they're going to come from all over the place. Now look at what's happened here. Jesus healed a Jewish man that had leprosy, which before that only gentile the only recorded case of a gentile with leprosy or person with leprosy being healed was a gentile so now jesus is reaching out to god's chosen people he's reaching out to the jews but then comes this centurion with great faith and he says i haven't found anybody with faith like this guy in all of israel so now it's expanding it's letting you know you know what he came for God's chosen people. The Jews, they are important. They are a big deal. But Jesus is the Savior of the world. And it's not based on creed or race or nationality or any of that. And then he brings it back. And he says, people from all over the place are going to be sitting at Abraham's table. It is. It does come back to Abraham. Then there's this little middle part. 14 uh matthew chapter 8 verse 14 jesus comes and heals peter's mother-in-law and if you have not watched any of the chosen movies yet i encourage you to do that look them up on youtube or you can get the chosen app and uh, the scene where jesus heals peter's mother-in-law is awesome and um is just it's just classic it is a classic i will say it's a classic mother-in-law moment how's that um then he goes on and everybody brings in people possessed by demons that are that are sick there are uh, all kinds of illnesses and diseases and jesus heals them all and it says in matthew eight seventeen. this was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet isaiah he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. He that quote from Isaiah, he bore our illnesses. He took our illnesses, he bore our diseases. I hear people quote that like he took our he took our illnesses upon him. I hear people quote that in reference to the cross when they're praying for healing. But this isn't the cross. This is Matthew 8, not 26, 27 and 28. So this is Jesus freely, willingly, taking away our pain, taking away our sickness, healing us. And he is doing it actively um, as a part of his life, as a part of his lifestyle. It's in his nature to do it. And so remember when I said, if you think that the curse from God comes because you did something bad, And so then you're not going to really expect God to heal you. If you think this thing that happened to me happened because of something bad. Again, hogwash. Um, Jesus is healing people and it is not connected with the forgiveness of sins in this section. It's not while he's dying on the cross. It's while he is walking along, just being present, just being there around them. He is healing them. Uh, he, he loves to do it. He, he cares for them. He's taking care of them. It's part of his nurturing of them. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead. Down they are. There's these verses of 18 through 23. Just about the intensity of following Jesus. Um, there are people that they want to follow Jesus. But they have excuses. Or they have objections. And Jesus doesn't really have time for that and he just says hey look um you follow me or you don't and on they go and i i don't have time for it either because i i want to wrap up here quick um jesus following jesus is intense and you, you either do it or you don't do it and you make the decision and you keep at it that's that's what that little bit is all about and that's important because the next thing that happens is they're all out in the sea and they're crossing this giant lake and a storm comes up um you can look into it's really wild just how the weather was on this lake with the cliffs there were mountains to the west of it and so you didn't give any notice you couldn't see far away that the storm was coming it would just like boom right over the mountains and be there and that's what happened to these guys and jesus is asleep in the boat and it's like Taking on water and rocking all over the place, and they all think they're going to die, and they finally wake Jesus up when they they think they're dying. Uh, they they didn't wake him up when the storm came up. Um, they woke him up at the point of saying, "Don't you care if we die?" Wake up, Jesus! Uh, it, it says in Matthew eight twenty-five, "Save us, Lord! We're dying." <laughs> And uh, he says to them, "Why are you afraid? Oh, you have little faith." He rose, rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. And the men marvelled, saying, "What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him?" So he didn't really rebuke them. He rebuked them a little bit. Uh, you know, what? do you Come on, guys, don't you believe? It? Don't you believe in me? But um, but he really rebuked the storm, and. That's where everything changed for the disciples, and you can tell you can tell along here um, all of these storm Jesus calming the storm events. Afterwards, the disciples are a little bit different because it's almost like it's one thing to cast demons out of somebody if you're a spiritual leader, but then if you can just start healing illness that isn't a demon. Okay, so now there's some kind of biological. Power that Jesus has over health, and then He calms a storm, and nothing can control the storm. Come on, even these mountains can't stop it from it coming over in, into the lake, and Jesus even rules over that. Um, that that is amazing. That is something to really ponder and put deep into your faith. That that even even nature, even events like that, Jesus can control those. But you also have to get that trust and that confidence and that humility in there, too. Because he didn't do it until the very last second. They all thought they were going to die. And you almost wonder, what if they wouldn't have woke him up? Uh, And the boat would have sunk. Would he have like, hey, guys, come on, let's all... This is where I want to teach you how to walk on water. What? We don't know. We don't have any idea. But um, but that he let it get pretty bad while he was sleeping. Uh, but the, the, I think the best thing to do, the best posture to have is the posture that the disciples had. Where they marveled and they said, What sort of man is this that even the winds and the sea obey him? If we just had that attitude... marveling at Jesus and asking him what sort of man are you that even the weather obeys you Um, I think I think we would grow we would grow even from that then the last thing in Matthew 8 that I want to talk about is this crazy big business with the pigs with the demons and the pigs and uh, so they come to the other side and this is total gentile land this is not jewish at all um it's so not jewish there's a herd of pigs and pigs were unclean there's these two guys that live in a graveyard by the side of it and um you know some of the gospels say there were two guys some of the gospels say there was one guy the that's not really what the important point is um the point is that there were demons in, in, and at least one of them tormenting their life, and the demons beg Jesus. This is in eight thirty-one. If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. They are, um, they're negotiating with Jesus because, remember, keep all this in context, right? They see his authority they know his authority as soon as he shows up their opening thing is what do you have to do with us O son of god have you come here to torment us before the time you can just what's upsetting in that is you can just hear the um the disrespect and rebellion in their words you know the the devil is a liar everything he says is a lie everything he is out to do is rebel and to alter our our identity and to draw us away from God and away from trust and away from obeying God and just in that where they ask have you come to torment us before it's time is a is trying to have authority over Jesus and trying to rebel against him and I love that he doesn't even say, he didn't answer that question, does he? He's like, I don't have to answer you. I don't have to answer anything. They say, if you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. And uh, basically the option is to go out into the herd of pigs or to be destroyed, to be absolutely annihilated in the lake of fire. And he's like, okay, he's not going to destroy them, which is pretty wild. He says all all Jesus says, look, you guys, this whole section, the only thing Jesus says to these demons is go. There is no, you know, scolding. There is no discussion. There's no negotiation. Um, Jesus is so tough and has such great authority that he can show up and they can do all the talking and he's just, he's, he's just listening and then go and they instantly go out. Um, this is totally contrary to the the teaching of Jesus's day of uh, rabbis that would try to cast out demons would try to say all the right words they try to say all the right things pagans that would deal with evil spirits and try to cast them out would have all kinds of amulets and potions and and what I mean just like today with like you know people doing magic and witches and all that nonsense um, they're trying to manipulate do all this stuff and and remember the centurion said if I say to my servant do this the servant does it Jesus is just like go and boom they're out Um, the herdsmen fled yeah so they all go into the herd of of pigs the pigs run off the side of a cliff and drown in the sea because they just went berserk the herds the herdsmen the pig herds fled away and they all run for their lives and they tell everybody in town two things they tell everybody in town waiting for the loud truck to go by they tell everybody in town about the two demon the demon possessed men that they've been made clean that they've been delivered that's going to freak everybody out and they're going to tell them that the price of bacon just went up 400 percent because the whole herd of pigs has got hurled off into the sea that's going to startle everybody that is going to yes so behold all the city comes out to meet jesus when they saw him they begged him to leave their region they are not ready for him they are scared they're terrified and in another one of the gospels it says okay jesus left he didn't stick around he didn't stand there and preach at him and tell them a whole bunch of stuff they didn't want to hear they didn't want to hear it uh, they, they were too shocked at these demon-possessed men being delivered and these pigs hurling themselves off the cliff. So Jesus didn't force it, but he left those guys, that demon-possessed man that was now clean. He said, you stay here and tell everybody. And so that guy went into town. This is the region of also known as the Decapolis. It's ten little cities all close together. And... Um, That guy went and told all everybody about it, and he didn't have a theology degree. He hadn't been to seminary. Um, He probably had never read any line of the Bible. You guys, what? No, this is Gentile territory. All he had was that this rabbi came over on a boat, got off the boat and all the demons ran every demon ran away and was destroyed into the lake and now he's clean and uh that's that's all the message he needed later on when jesus comes back to the decapolis all kinds of people are going to follow him all kinds of people are going to listen to him but at that moment they weren't ready um Gosh, there's so much stuff in here, you guys, that's applicable to us about not everybody is ready to hear the whole deal about Jesus. Sometimes all they need to hear is how you were healed. All they need to hear is about how you've been restored. Um, there's there's so much in Matthew chapter 8 about who who really is going to get saved and who isn't, and and that it's about faith and not about what your job is or where you came from or, or uh, what your origins are and there's a whole bunch in here about what your identity is and is your identity in your disease or is your identity in your worst sin that you ever committed or is your identity in what Jesus says when he looks at you and he says I'm willing I want to heal you I want to fix you I want to save you um, that's, where, that's where he wants our identity to be so, all right, that's all Matthew 8. I hope you guys have a great week, and God bless you. Thanks for, thanks for listening in and engaging in this chapter of Matthew with me. God bless you.